0: Colossians 1, the last couple times I've preached here, we've been on this chapter, and um, 9 through 12. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. Your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you have so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy. Can you say that with me? May you be filled with joy. Always thanking the Father. Thank the Lord. And so One Sunday we talked about how that that Paul prayed for these people, that God would give them the complete knowledge of His will with spiritual wisdom and understanding. Another Sunday we talked about that you would be strengthened with His glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. And this morning, Paul prayed that you would be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. Joy is the emotion that, that's evoked in and through us that produces rejoicing in our life. We see it in Matthew chapter 2, verse 10, uh, with the wise men. As the wise men are leaving Jerusalem, uh, they're leaving Herod's uh, kingdom, and as they do, they see, they see the star all over again. And the Scripture says that they were filled with exceeding great joy. Exceeding great joy. Joy is calm delight. It's it's a cheerful, rejoicing heart. It's the opposite of darkness. It's the opposite of heaviness. And Paul was right when he said, we need to pray for joy. We need to pray for joy. Because joy leads to thanksgiving. This is more than simply a happy temperament. Joy is found... In the Holy Spirit. It's not found in your life experience. It's not found in, in, in the circumstances that you may experience. But it is found in the Holy Spirit. Romans 14 verse 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit joy in the Holy Spirit we try to grasp joy uh, in many different ways in many different places don't we we're looking for it we're 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 running after things that will make us feel happy but the scripture says that real joy is not found in all of the externals of life but it is rather found in the Holy Spirit Psalm 16 verse 11 says in your presence is the fullness of of joy. If you want to find joy, where, where are you going to find it? You're going to find it in the presence of God. You're not going to find it, you know, in relationships, human relationships, ultimately, primarily, you're not going to find it in good jobs. Thank God how many are glad you got a job today? Huh? Yeah, but but ultimately you're not going to find joy in good jobs. You're not going to find joy in, in, in children and grandchildren, ultimately. My goodness, how much we love our children and grandchildren. But ultimate joy is not found in human natural experience. It is only found in the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 25 says, It is the Holy Spirit that produces certain kinds of fruit in us. It is the Holy Spirit that produces love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness, and kindness, and meekness, and temperance, and self-control. You don't have these kinds of characteristics because of your background, or because of who your parents were, because of where you were raised, or because of, 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 of you were born with a silver or gold spoon in your mouth, uh, or because you have a lot of money, or because of this, or because of that. Joy comes into our life through the relationship of God in our life. It comes through us through the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I want to I encourage you to open your hearts this morning to the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in a new way because He is the one who plants joy in within us. Acts chapter 13 verse 52. We see this New Testament church in Antioch where there was a a mob scene and where they didn't even know if they were going to be able to live. And the scripture says, and the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. You know that there are believers all over the world today in very, very difficult places. I've uh, I've been in different places in the world Where I've been absolutely humbled as I've walked into the homes, very, very simple, uh, hardly anything in the home. and, And you know that these people don't have hardly anything, but they've prepared this wonderful meal for you. And how many have been in that situation? It's very humbling. You go into their home, they're giving you everything they have. You know that, but they're pouring it out, and they're so happy, they're so filled with joy. And you you look at what they have and they have nothing in this natural life. And some of them don't even know if they're going to live tomorrow. But in spite of of life experience the way that it is, they have captured joy. Because it's not found in all the things that that we deem important in a Western mindset. It's found only in the Holy Spirit. That's why football player Drew Brees' mother is here recently committed suicide. Very successful woman, a lot of money, a lawyer, you know? She can commit suicide. Why? Why, why do people do that? You know, uh, one of the guys that was uh, working with Bernie M- Madoff ends up drowning in his pool. What? Why do people do that? They do that because in spite of everything in the natural that they may have that says that that everybody seems to be scrambling after, they don't have joy. Empty. Emptiness of life. And the reality is, is that for your life and my life, if we are going to experience fullness, if we're going to experience real joy, you're not going to find it out there. You can only find it in here by the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling your life in new ways, in powerful ways, in significant ways. The Scripture identifies that joy is all wrapped up in the Holy Spirit in in different packages, huh? Huh? So we have all these different packages like at Christmas time under the tree. There's all these different packages and, 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 and joy in the Holy Spirit comes in different packages. Uh, the, the joy of the Holy Spirit comes to us in the Gospel. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. It says here that the angelic announcement to the shepherds was that there would be good news that would bring what? Great joy to all people. The Gospel brings joy to people. When you think back, To the day that you opened your heart to Christ. The day that you knew that your sins were forgiven. The day that you knew that that your name was written in the Lamb's book of life. The day that you knew that you were right with God. How many realize that was a day of great joy, huh? That's right. The Gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ brings great joy. It is good news that brings great joy to all people Thank God for the package of the Gospel that brings joy. The Word of God brings this joy. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. When I discovered Your words, I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight. The Word. How many times have you sat down with the Word of God and just uh, maybe early morning, it's just you and God and your cup of coffee and you're sitting there and you're just reading the Word and you come upon a portion of scripture take your pencil and you underline why why what's happening you know the word of god is bringing joy you know satan wants to keep you from from the word you get busy huh you get up late you think, I got not have time for the word somebody can relate to that come on all right yeah, yeah the rest of you are lying you can all relate to that right i <laughs> mean it's just human experience you know, he wants to keep you away from the word. because why what? Not, not because God wants to just line you up and get you in order. No. He wants to give you joy. Joy comes through the word. You're missing out on joy if you're missing out on the scriptures because the joy the, the, the joy that God brings is packaged in the Word of God. Get back to the word, would you? Not because oh you gotta you got to read the Bible. No because it will give you joy. give you joy. Isaiah 56 verse 7 says, "I will fill them with joy in my house of prayer." <laughs> that's a verse that's familiar and I'm sure in this in this church, I will fill them with joy in the house of prayer, in my house of prayer. And as we come together, hmm, how many sensed joy this morning as you were worshiping God? There's something about coming together that 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 gives our hearts joy, huh? And, 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 you know, as much as I appreciate being able to put on a CD and, and worshiping God, you know, uh, in the car or at home, you know, and we certainly do that, or, 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 or Cherry the other day mentioned she was going to go out, she was leaving the church, she said she was just going to go out and walk with God. Well, you know, we all love those times and those are all significant and powerful times for us, alone with the Lord. But, you know, there's something unique about God's people coming together. and The Scripture, from a New Testament perspective, says as, as we get closer to the coming of Christ, you know, encourage one another to gather together like this. Huh? And one of the results of coming together like this is joy. You know? You just... God imparts something. You know, as James and the worship team leads us to worship, and you're sensing the presence of God, you know, there's there's this sense of joy that comes into our lives through worship. Psalm 97, verse 11 says, Light shines on the godly and joy on those whose hearts are right. How many times have you experienced the reality of making a right decision? How many have ever made a right decision? Anybody here make a right decision? You know, when you make a right decision and you know it pleases God, you know what? You know, there's been times in my—I was just thinking about that this morning as I was prayer walking this morning, just preparing my heart for for this morning. I was out for a morning walk and I, I was just thinking of, of the of the many times in my life undeserving, but but where God said, "Dave, I'm proud of you. You made the right decision." Huh? You know? You need to have an ear to hear that because I think God says that more often to you than you hear it. There is joy that comes in the context of what the scripture calls, King James Version calls it righteousness. It sounds kind of stuffy. It sounds kind of religious. It's not religious. It's simply making right choices, making right decisions. And God is pleased with you and he pours joy in you as you cooperate with Him and make right choices. You know? So every time you make a right choice this week, you know, you, you say, no to that donut. <laughs> Sorry to ruin your day. You know? <laughs> but when you make right choices in life, God says, way to go. The little ones, as well as the big ones, in all of our life. Sometimes we make righteousness just somehow, somehow kind of a religious thing we talk about, but it's just it's just making righteousness. And, and, and joy is the result. How many of you have had great joy as you walked in rebellion against God? That <laughs> just doesn't happen, does it? Huh? When you make wrong choices and you say no to God and yes to yourself, or no to God and yes to your flesh, or or no to you know whatever. Yeah. When we make wrong choices, there's, there's this kind of grief and there's, you just kind of get cranky and you don't feel good and, and, and things don't feel right. But when you make right choices, there's joy It comes as a decision to say yes to God and saying no to that which you know you need to say no to. Acts chapter 8 and verse 8, we see the city of Samaria... You know, a guy, he, he wasn't ordained. He wasn't a pastor. wasn't a bishop. certainly wasn't an apostle. He was a deacon. His name was Philip. He goes to the city of Samaria. And, and, and you know, he's just part of the body of Christ. He goes there and begins to share Jesus. Guess what? People get saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. People, people are delivered from demons. Bodies are healed. You know, all this stuff. What is that? That's the kingdom of God at work. And, you know... The kingdom of God's is work is for all of you. Would you all raise your hands? Just all of you. Okay. Every hand that's up God has chosen you to be a part of his kingdom. Okay? You know? Hallelujah. It's not it's not for big shots. It's not for guys who 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 who, who stand in front of cameras on television and preach. No. It's for everybody. Hallelujah. It's for the Phillips. You know, and the reality is, is that God has put you in this world to bring joy to people. Praise God, through the entrance of the kingdom. Praise God, where you can pray for people and you can minister to people or you can share Jesus with people or 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 you can just give somebody a glass of cold water or a cookie in the name of Jesus, whatever. Okay, even a donut. In the name of Jesus. Okay, but 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 here in Samaria it, it says after 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 Philip went there and just started talking good about Jesus and people got changed and transformed by the gospel. What does it say? There was great joy in that city. The opposite of great darkness. Do you know? Do you know that where you work? Where you work, you should be a person of great joy. You should just emanate light. You know, when you're around people, they they should feel more happy because you're there instead of, ooh, stay away from them. You know, I mean, just just draw a circle around them and don't get close because you never know what they're going to say, you know. Grumpy old men. <laughs> How many know that? That doesn't bring joy to anybody. Your family, your children, your spouse. May, may you emanate joy. That's the kingdom of God at work. Now, Peter says in 1 Peter 1, verse 8, that that, that God's joy is glorious and inexpressible. Which means it's beyond description. It's beyond really comprehension. Why? Because it's sourced in God. It's not it's not sourced in anything else. You can't really explain it why you feel this way. Um As I said before, it's not dependent on human experience or environment. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, talking about his own life, that he has troubles and hardships and calamities and he he was beaten and he was in prison and he was mobbed and he had exhaustion and experienced sleeplessness and hunger and and was beaten and, and, and didn't own anything anymore. And he says, our hearts ached within us, but we always... Have joy. <laughs> what a contrast. All this garbage, all this stuff, all this negativism, all this darkness. But he says in the midst of that, we still had joy. Amazing. Second Corinthians 8, verse 2. He's talking about the churches that are in Macedonia. He said these people had many troubles and were very poor, but they were filled... With abundant joy. Jesus in Luke chapter 6 and verse 23 says, When people hate you and mock you and exclude you and curse you, how are you to respond? Martyr complex. Things are so hard. Oh, please pray for me, brother. I'm going through a very difficult time. People hate me and mock me, and exclude me. No one likes me. What does Jesus say? Leap for joy. (laughs) You say, are you crazy? Are you crazy? How can you leap for joy in that context? You can't do it, and neither can I. I'm going to be downhearted just like anybody else. The only way you and I can do this is in the Holy Spirit. You see... This isn't simply mind over matter. This isn't simply b- believing right theology. This is the Holy Spirit working within us, giving something that we can't have ourselves. And that's why some of you have been in difficult places in, in Romania and, and Haiti and, 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 and Liberia. And I've been in Liberia myself and and, and I know what it's like there and and, and and other places in the world that are difficult. And, and, and you see people and you know people right now that are in difficult places right now, but they are serving the Lord with joy in spite of all of life because the Holy Spirit has filled them. How many can say, I know somebody like that? Just raise your hand. I know many of you. Many of you know people just like that. And, and you, can, you can believe that God rejoices in these people. Rejoices in these people. And this is our inheritance. Inheritance. This is what God has given us. Joy is not the absence of problems, but it is literally the presence of God in my life and in your life. That's the reality of joy. Isaiah 61, God says that He will give to us. This is a gift. He will give to us beauty for ashes, joy for mourning, praise for... For despair, sorrowful, aching hearts that always rejoice. Philippians four four says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I will say it again. Rejoice. Absolutely impossible in the natural. First Thessalonians five sixteen. Always be joyful. Be thankful in all circumstances. This is God's Will for you. God's will for you. Around 1608, more than 10 years before the pilgrims arrived, a group of English traders sailed to Plymouth, Massachusetts. When the Indians came out to trade, the traders took some of them as prisoner and transported them to Spain and sold them into slavery. One of the Indians, Squanto, was purchased by a Spanish monk who treated him kindly and introduced him to Christianity. Later, Squanto worked for John Slaney in England who promised to send him back home. And so, 11 years after being taken captive, in 1619, he finally arrived home. You can imagine how excited he was as he landed back on the shore of his homeland. And as he got there, he found that an epidemic had wiped out his whole village. And all of his loved ones were now dead. A year later, the Mayflower lands, the same location, and Squanto goes out and greets... (laughs) these people from England, in English. <laughs> you can imagine how, how shocked <laughs> these, these Englishmen were as they heard this guy speaking in English to them. The Pilgrims were a group of religious separatists who had broken away from the Church of England. At first immigrated to Holland, where they had stayed for ten years, but eventually returned to England recognizing that, uh, that Holland was not the holy land for them. They went there feeling they would get more freedom there and found that was not the case. So on September 16, 1620, 102 passengers boarded the Mayflower. 65 days later, they sighted Cape Cod on November 19, 1620. And at that point, which is now Provincetown, Massachusetts, 41 men signed what was called the Mayflower Compact that would be the basis of government in the new Plymouth Colony and was the basis of our Constitution. It was a hard first winter, poor nutrition, inadequate housing, clothing for the harsh winter conditions. Eight died in January, 17 in February. By spring, 46 had died, the original group that had come. Nearly half seven times more graves than homes. But when Captain Christopher Jones left on the Mayflower on April 5, 1621, not one of the remaining settlers returned home to England with him. They all stayed in spite of the hardship and the death and the destruction they'd experienced. And so October 16, uh, 1621 was the first celebration of Thanksgiving. It lasted Some three days, with 90 Indians in attendance, including Squanto, Governor Bradford said that Squanto was a godsend who had showed them how to plant corn, where to fish, served as their guide in the new land. When Squanto died, he asked Governor Bradford to pray for him that he might go to God in heaven, and he gave all of his possessions to the pilgrims. One month after the first Thanksgiving, 35 new colonists arrived with nothing, No food, no tools, no winter clothing. It was a very hard winter. And they were reduced to five kernels of corn a day per person. Five kernels of corn here. That's all they had per day as they came to the end of their long winter. It was a horrible time. Starvation took 18 more lives that winter. But an abundant harvest followed the second Thanksgiving. And the first course of dinner was an empty plate with five kernels of corn. It's It's a great tradition, by the way, to have a first course with five kernels of corn. Because in the midst of thanksgiving, there's a recognition of what we came through with joy. (laughs) See? With joy. In spite of death, in spite of hardship, in spite of everything, it led them to thanksgiving. Habakkuk, (laughs) the way they pronounce it in the Hebrew. We say Habakkuk or Habakkuk. Chapter 3, verse 17. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy, I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. As I wrap this up this morning, there's a little known about Habakkuk, He was a contemporary of Jeremiah. He was a man of vigorous faith. He predicted the coming Babylonian invasion, which occurred in 597 B.C. He predicted it eight years previous. The book of Habakkuk reads like a dialogue between this prophet and God. He wrestles with God. He asks hard questions. He gets straight answers from God. And it ends with this confession of faith. It perplexed him that wickedness and strife and oppression were rampant in in, in Judah, but it seemed that God was doing nothing. And then God speaks to him and tells him that he was going to use the Babylonians to bring judgment upon Judah. It raised other questions for him. How could God, who is too pure to look on evil, appoint such an evil nation to be the tool of judgment? And God assures him that in the end justice would reign. And in it, it's in this context of knowing judgment is coming. The Babylonians are going to be the tool of judgment. We're going to lose everything. In the midst of that, Habakkuk says, though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, the olive crop fails, the fields lie empty and barren, though the flocks die in the fields and cattle barns are empty, yet I will Rejoice! I will literally sing and shout in the Hebrew. Sing and shout to the Lord. I will be joyful. I will spin around in violent emotion. <laughs> to the God of my salvation. How? Only by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Not by might. Nor by power but by His Spirit. You see, rejoicing joy works today at Children's Hospital in Minneapolis. It does. It works there. It works at Washburn McCreevy Cemetery today as people bury loved ones. It works at Fort Hood in Texas. It works during... Times of stress related to life experience or unemployment. It works in real life. Joy is not something that's transient, that changes, that moves. But it's constant in the Holy Spirit no matter where you are at. Hallelujah. Let's stand. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And uh, James, maybe we can start with trading your sorrows, the one you already sang earlier, because I want you to recognize that Habakkuk made a choice. He made a decision. He said, "I will do this. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation." In spite of how I feel, in spite of what my natural man says, I am going to do I am going to rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to pray for you this morning. I'm going to pray that the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon us this morning and that he will give unto you his spirit of joy. Some of you have come in overwhelmed by life experience because of what's going on in your life or your kids' life or your grandkids' life or because of work or because of, of whatever because of what you just heard, because of, of situ- situations that are happening with, 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 with extended family, whatever. But I, I, I want God to give you the gift of joy this morning. How many are open to that? The gift of joy. Father, I just pray right now. This isn't an emotional thing. This isn't just trying to work something up. This is opening our hearts to the grace of Your presence and Your power. And we say to You today, Lord, would You pour Your joy within us? This morning, tomorrow morning, next week, next month, Lord, may we continue to pray that we might be filled with joy. Joy! Joy in the midst of difficult circumstances. Joy when it seems that everything's crumbling around. Joy when difficult times comes. Joy when it's dark, dark, dark. But joy. Lord, fill us with your joy this morning, I pray. In the name of Jesus, we are, we are needy people. We need your joy. And we are training today our sorrows for your joy receive it this morning in the name of Jesus as we sing and as we worship by the way I'm closing (laughs) if you need prayer today you come we'll pray for you this morning Maybe you need prayer, specifically that God would pour joy out in your life. Maybe you've come this morning. You've got desperate need. We'll pray for you this morning. we got people that will pray for you today. You want to come to this altar and just kneel and you don't want anybody to bother you. Just come and kneel and we, we won't bother you. We'll just leave you alone. All right? All right. If you want to just stand and worship, if you want to spin around in joy, you can do that too. All right? We don't care. Praise God. Hallelujah. And when you're ready to go, you're dismissed. God bless you. Thanks for joining us this morning for worship. Hallelujah. Praise God.